Welcome to our last Tuesday of the month book discussion. Just a couple of librarians talking about books we think others might enjoy. July's read is Seven Years of Darkness by Yu Jiong Jiong. Spoiler alert, we usually end up discussing endings and key plot points. I'm Amy, and joining me today is Candice, Adult Services Librarian at Iowa City Public Library. Welcome. Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited. I just enjoyed our discussion so much. I think we read the last time. Little Faith. Thank you. Yes, by yes. Nicholas. Butler? Butler, yes. Yeah. I yep. think that's I was right. just telling somebody about that, and I was remembering that I had said if Nicholas Sparks had written The Shack, that's what <laughs> that book felt like to me. In a good way. Like, that's what it was. Yes, it definitely was. I could see how that's a great description for that book. (laughs) But with this read, it's a totally different feel. This is a mystery thriller for folks who may not have read this yet. Our main character is the child of a man convicted of killing an entire village, essentially, his wife and a young girl. It's told from the son's perspective, seven years after the incident at which point he kind of just stumbles upon a manuscript that was written by another one of the key characters, Mr. An, about the incident. And his father is soon to be executed for this crime that he was convicted and confessed to. And so like, as we're reading this story and get introduced to it, we read it from Mr. An's perspective pretty much, but also there are different characters who are kind of given a voice. So that makes it really interesting to think about it as like a Mm -hmm. third, fourth hand type of book. Right. An interesting way to try and create a full story in some ways. Like, you know, everybody's story differs a little bit. And so it's like, well, whose version is correct or is one more trustworthy than the other? It fills in some things by doing it that way. Yeah. And he has obviously done a lot of research supposedly for this book and talked to a lot of people. We also see throughout the book that we're reading that there are some breaks in it where he reads like letters that Mr. An has written to other people trying to get information. Yeah. So it's almost like a story about how a writer writes And also not just like telling a story, first of all, telling a story that's true, you know, how is that different than writing maybe a fiction book, but then also telling the story of something that happened a while ago and you can't even talk to some of the people. So as much as we're having it filled in, it's also being filled in for Mr. An, who's ultimately filling it in for Sawan. You know, there were points where I forgot that I was reading the book within the book. You get right into it. And we have to believe that level of credulity is stretched even farther than. And parts of that, I think, come out when I don't know if I ever get a real resolution for some of these things Mm -hmm. that are happening. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I agree with that. So much so that I actually went back to see if I missed, for instance, like you mentioned, not to jump ahead too much, but the mother. I had to go back and be like, okay, do we know, you know, like exactly? Did I miss it? So yeah, before we get into like all those little fun plot points and things, were there any expectations that you had going into the book regarding anything that were either met or not met? I had no expectations and no previous interaction reading or, you know, even having read a review or anything of the author. So in my mind, when I picked it all those months ago, the first thing I had thought of, and I 
cannot remember the name of the author, but he's written a couple mysteries that take place in, actually, I want to say Bangkok. And in my mind, I just kind of jumped to that, like, oh, this will be the kind of thing where, you know, I haven't read a ton of books, especially mysteries that take place in an Asian country of any kind, and that I really like that. I love reading books, mysteries, particularly that take place in other places, and here will be another one. And like, obviously, Korea and Thailand are not the same place. But in my mind, I just sort of thought like, oh, it'll be kind of like when I first read that. And I was like, wow, this is great. And that was a much more kind of fast paced procedural type of mystery, more of a thriller, I'd say. And this was direct and gloomy. It had more in common with maybe a Scandinavian type of mystery than anything I was thinking of. So I didn't have an expectation. I was very surprised. Yes, I think that there will be folks who, and have, I think based on some reviews I've seen of folks that don't really expect it to be that kind of slow paced, methodical feel that like as a genre and maybe even as just like in the American publishing industry that we kind of expect there to be, Mm -hmm. this is very different And I liked it for that reason. Like I did kind of go in expecting something a little more fast paced, which I'm not sure why, because I've read books by this author before and she sticks very true to some of her other works. Anyways, it was still vastly different from the one other book that I've read by her. And for any other readers out there listening, she is referred to as kind of like the Stephen King of Oh, Korea. he's so verbose. And I mean, I like Stephen King, but he's words, 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 words and description. And yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just they're kind of playing off of just the amount of like how popular yes. her work yes. is, I would assume, because yes, I would agree that I didn't necessarily see a connection between right. types of writing. Yeah. It would have to be that she's like, she's their big mystery writer. I even got in a discussion with my husband about it. He read a little bit of it as well. And we both commented on the sentence structure and it moves rapidly because it's these nice short sentences, which, you know, draws you in as a reader a different way. But we talked about whether does that come out of translation or something like that. And without having read any of the other books and whether it's the same translator or not, I was kind of at a loss to know, like, you know, is this this person's writing style or is this the way it kind of has to be translated because of how the language works? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that particular piece of how it pulls you in. But yeah, you're right. It was very rapid. And just sometimes, you know, I'll be reading a book and I'll have to go back a sentence or read something a couple times just to really sink it in. And it's not that it's simplistic. It's just that it's structured so well that it just goes right in your brain and you're just like, I found myself really clicking along reading it. Yes. The main plot does depend on a sense of place because Mm -hmm. we're in a singular spot for the most part in Sir Young Village. But again, it is kind of more plot based. It's not like super descriptive of the scene or anything like that. There's a lot of dialogue too. There's a lot of interpersonal relationships that are happening that are making the plot move forward. So that could also lend itself to that, I think. Even as the plot moves forward, a lot of it is through the telling of things that happened in the past. And so it's not even in that case dependent on describing a whole lot of what's going on because, you know, they're often remembering, well, this is how the two of them met and here's what their first date was like. Here's what it was like when she went to the apartment. And so it's interesting. It takes place in so many different times in that way. It does. Know? Yeah. And from different points of view, yeah. too. For example, there was a lot of information in the one chapter about 
the father, Hyunsu, I think. So they talk about like his past as a baseball player yeah. and, you know, kind of setting the stage for his relationships with his wife and then kind of understanding you know, how that all fits into this incident that happened. So there's a yeah. lot of backstory that has to happen. And so much that has to happen for you to understand why everybody does what they do, you know. So the book starts, what, a few days before the father is supposed to be executed. And I can't even have in my mind an idea of how many days pass from that in the story to the end to where, you know, he's read it and everything, because so much of it keeps flashing back that you kind of almost lose a sense of time. Do you have an idea of how many days pass? So the very first chapter is like a flashback to Mm -hmm. like directly after the incident. Yes. And then the big main chunk starts with so on. And it says at one point that he gets the letter from the prison, I think, at the end yeah. of that first chapter. And it's like December 27th. I actually think it might oh. be like the day before he, okay. his father is supposed to be executed because they're like, it's moving yeah. forward and you'll have to pick up his remains at X and X yeah. date. So it's even um, a shorter time frame than I think I was thinking it was. And yet so much of it gets filled in by all this other stuff for what really takes place in just a matter of a couple days. Yes. Well, and he falls asleep at one point, I think. There's like an interjection where like he wakes up realizing he's fallen asleep on the desk. And so maybe it was an extra day in there. I'm not sure now that I'm saying that. But the whole time frame is fluid. It's very fluid. It is. Yeah. And it has to be, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. There's some talk of dreams in the book too. Yes. And like memory obviously Mm -hmm. plays a role in that too. Because Yansu has a lot of nightmares. And so, spoiler, when he is anxious, I guess, or maybe is having a difficult time, he sleepwalks. Yeah. And so there's a main part right before the incident where he is sleepwalking regularly again, which he only used to do as a child because we mm-hmm. learned that he had been in a home where there was a lot of domestic violence as a child. And so Hyunsu then, you know, start sleepwalking again. And that's kind of part of where we get into all of these things happening in the village. And also maybe potentially the death of his wife or soon to be ex-wife. Right. So yeah, I'm curious as to your thoughts on that specific incident, because that's the one that keeps me (laughs) guessing. Yeah. And I'm surprised because it's not as if she was just sort of a partial character. And I feel like so much of the story is told by this person telling their part of the story, but also what they think of the other person. But then you start to get to know the other person when you get to the part of the story where they're the one doing the thinking. And so she ends up being, you know, this fairly well-rounded character. First, she's the nagging wife, but then she's the wife who married this guy and wants to take care of her kids. She wants to have a home. And then she's the too busy mom, but then she's actually trying to do it to help the family and all these things. And so I'm surprised that we don't quite know exactly what happens to her. And I'm not sure if, was there a clue in there that I just didn't read it carefully enough? You know, what I kind of remember is she's at work and she kind of gets pulled through the window by the guys who pull up in the van, I think, or something. Yes. And clearly she's dead, right? Yes. Like she didn't just leave and decide to like separate herself. So yeah, I don't know what I think of it except for being surprised and sort of 
I don't want to say like it's an unfair treatment of the character, but I would like to have a clear explanation of what happened. Especially because it seems strange. So these people in the van were supposedly hired by our kind of villain of the story, I guess. What's the name of their, not the neighbors, what are they called? The supporters? Yes, the supporters. Okay, yeah. Such a weird, weird thing. And they're like an identified group almost like so I don't understand quite how that works I don't know if that's a neighborhood watch type of situation so our main character seems to have a lot of pull in his community and so I think that could also be part of that maybe it's just a kind of name that we have to give them as a way to kind of identify who they're cited with maybe right so they pull her out as she's working But why? Because is it just that they think that she could be an asset to Hyunsu and would maybe try to save Sohwon if she knew what was happening? She doesn't have a great relationship with Hyunsu. He obviously like wants to make sure that nothing happens to her because he wants her to be able to care for Sohwon. But that's, yeah, it seems like that's pretty much it. So yeah. Was Young Ji having her taken so that he could use her as collateral, sort of? Was she part of his plan to do all of this? And her blood is not found on the club, is that right? Correct. And they don't find her body, right? Not that I remember. I think they just assumed that she was tossed into the water or somehow swept away by the water that comes through the dam and destroys the rest of the village. Right. And so I guess I sort of thought that it was part of Yongji. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I think so. His plan to, you know, ruin the life of someone's father. And like, in order to do that, it has to be complete. And he's pulling so many strings here and there to have it orchestrated just right that I guess I just assumed she was part of that. Yeah. When it goes wrong, it goes wrong, you know? Yes, yes. And I think the only thing that keeps me from wondering is because... Which it shouldn't, because I'm sure he just confessed out of simplicity. But the father ends up just saying yes, basically confessing to all of these crimes that he's been accused of, even though he wasn't responsible really for any of it. But he does take responsibility for it. I think probably the majority of it is guilt. Because essentially what happened, for those who haven't read it, is that Sowan is... And I don't know how to actually explain the real logistics of it, but somehow him drowning would have saved the rest of the village. But because Hyunsu saved his son, that ended up somehow releasing water onto the whole village. At least that was my understanding of how. Yeah, that. like he chooses to let the town flood as opposed to Hans Holdung, where Sawan is. Yes. And so I think he has to divert. The dam. Okay. Yeah. And so he basically says, I'm not going to let him flood. I'm going to let the town flood. And it took me a bit to figure that out too. And then they still have to run anyway. But yeah, so he literally does wipe out a whole town. But I mean, he doesn't ever try to be like, this other person is also responsible because right. at that point, did they think he was dead? I think so. I think he okay. thought that if he hadn't killed Youngji, that Youngji was beaten and would have also been Okay. drowned because I do think they sort of mentioned that his body wasn't found also so they were expecting to see it there but they just didn't yeah and lo and behold it's because he wasn't dead right 
Yes. And I think that's why the cops were still working on it seven years later. So yeah, that's another kind of surprise to me. I didn't expect that piece. Once I got through most of it, I was like, okay, I can kind of see where this is probably going, but that took me by surprise. Yes. It was interesting in like the few surprises that got thrown in there. I read a review where somebody referred to this as a why done it instead of a who done it, a why done it, where you either know or you know enough of who did what. And even as the reader, you could kind of see pretty early on, like, okay, it's probably not the father. And we know it's probably going to be something with this guy. And you know what's happened along the way. And it's like, well, why did they do it? It becomes much more of a psychological sort of exploration. But so when something would kind of get in there, that surprised me. I was like, oh, I did not see that. You know, there's plenty laid out to see. And then there'll be this thing here or there. It's like, oh, yeah, well done. Gosh, you said that, so why done it? And I just, that immediately triggered something in me. And now I can't remember what it was. Oh, I remember what it was now. Yeah. So you're finding out all this information about people, all their connections, all kind of like these little intimacies about their lives. And I really enjoyed that. Like you said, it kind of rounded out all the different characters. Mm -hmm. So you felt like these were real people with real flaws and real accolades or whatever, which was really nice. Sometimes it can feel in those mystery thrillers that people are very flat and that they kind of meet these archetypes very easily. These people seem very human. Like, yeah, you can be annoyed with him because he drinks all the time and then you find out what's happened to him and then it's complicated like people are and you can empathize and sympathize much better and understand their motivations so much more too, you know? I think the only person that really didn't get as much of that three-dimensional was Young Ji yes. yeah. our kind of villain. And he's just bad, yeah. yeah. I watch a lot of like CSI and, you know, shows like that. And occasionally there's the person who's just a real weirdo. Anybody who does anything in miniature is probably a killer. <laughs> and like, so the fact that he does this right away, I'm like, oh, he's not kind. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a miniature replica, basically, yeah. of the village and the dam yeah. and everything, right? And he presents one to his family every year. And I mean, when they talked about that and how he'd present them and they would have to act so excited. And yet, in my mind, they're like seeing these like ridiculous things. And they're just like, ah, oh, another one. But if you don't smile, he's going to beat us. And just the terror of that. Reading his chapter, you definitely get a more psychological thriller, typical book Mm. that I think we're used to seeing. And his need for absolute control, killing the animal, you know, unrestrained temper, like he seemed pretty straightforward. Nothing redeeming about him. No, which is probably something you need in a book like this, where you're trying to show all the humanity and everything else to have you know, something that can be a tool in kind of sussing those things out, I guess. Yeah. yeah. He's just an egomaniac, psycho miniature <laughs> enthusiast. So nobody admit to making miniatures or right. model trains, <laughs> anything like that. I feel like you're right. There's always like a not always, but there's usually like some kind of scene of like in the basement doing your thing. Yes, like, some weird hobbyist. little hobby. That's people who put tiny boats in jars. <laughs> They're killers, every one of them. <laughs> I swear it. <laughs> so I felt like I read through the book and it was very unique in some ways. 
and I couldn't really pinpoint a time where I think I just immediately got sucked in. I think after Mm -hmm. that first chapter, I was just like, okay, yep, I'm in now and didn't put it down for like, I think it took me just a day and a half to get through it. Yeah, I I would say I read it in two sittings and my husband too, who he started reading it when I went on my trip and he texted and he's like, I'm a hundred pages into this thing already. It's great. Was there a question in there? I don't remember now. I guess I was trying to pinpoint a time where like, if readers are reading this and you can't get into it by X time, like, should they give up in your opinion? (laughs) I mean, I feel like those first 50 to 80 pages go by so fast that like, I guess if you got like 50 pages into it and just really isn't tripping you. But I find that hard to believe because there's so many interesting elements to it, even Aside from any part of the mystery aspect, I loved the stuff about diving. Like that was a really interesting thing. And when they describe the areas that they would move to and just be diving, like both that lifestyle and that that's what they do was so interesting. You're right. I think it did take some elements, which I didn't even think about the diving piece really very much because I thought that that would come into it more. It is kind of more of like a side piece. So I was interested when I first read that to see where that went. What I thought was interesting was it made them really unique people. These are not people living your ordinary existence. Like not only are they kind of hopping from town to town, kind of hiding from something, but they're literally like they're on the edge. Mm -hmm. They're like they spend half their time in the water doing this kind of precarious thing in another world and just really outside of a normal society, which you get this feeling because like, you know, the litany of relatives who let Sawan down was just so one after the other after the other. And, you know, which gives you an insight maybe into some societal structure or what, you know, shame, family shame, things like that. And that the one person who takes him in is, is this really nice guy? Of course, for a while I was like, oh, is this guy going to be even worse? Like, is he going to be pedophile or something? You know, guy taken in the young kid, but he's not. And they really don't fit in anywhere. They have to make their own place. Yes. And there are some scenes from their point of view where they're diving that are really interesting because it happens twice, I think, during the story where they have to perform emergency yeah. uh, ascents. Yeah. If anybody has ever snorkeled or scuba dive or anything like that, like that's terrifying to me <laughs> to try to yeah. do that without oxygen. Cause yeah, you can easily die. And they mention the bends, which is mm-hmm. something that you can die from. And but yeah, yeah, there are these just near death experiences. Yeah. Because one of them, the blue orb, was that one of the things he talks about that you might see when you're down? Or now I can't remember if he's talking about a thing you might see or a thing you do see. I think the blue orb was when you're low on oxygen maybe, or I want to say it's the opposite of claustrophobia almost. Oh. where like everything you see is kind of all the same and you kind yes. of lose your sense of direction and space and you feel very isolated. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in a weird way, it's like if you've ever laid on the ground and just looked up into space at night and you all of a sudden feel like, could you fall off of the ground kind of into space? That's sort of untethered. Yeah. And he does talk about that. I can't remember if it's So on or Mr. On who talks about that happening. There are some just very kind of out-of-body, semi-spiritual moments as well. They talk about a ritual that happens at the dam or the lake after the young girl dies, which is kind of the 
tipping point for all the other incidents, Mm -hmm. if you read this book. So they talk about a ritual there, which out of curiosity, I just Googled and kind of tried to read a little bit about. I couldn't find much, but it did seem, and they kind of explain it a little bit in the book about how it was meant to soothe the soul of somebody who was unjustly killed Yeah, and kind of let them out of the water specifically to, I guess, ascend into kind of like an afterlife, which was really interesting that the abusive father orchestrated that. I didn't quite take it at face value because it was all, you know, he was either doing it to make himself look not guilty for the things he'd already done. You know, he was doing it so that he would be seen doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to kind of orchestrate some confrontation, it seemed. Right. So for folks who haven't read it yet, this ritual is, I guess, performed by shaman. And so there is a scene where the shaman confronts Soan as he is a child. He's like 11 years old at this point mm-hmm. and kind of really scares him, like terrifies him. But yeah, it's kind yeah. of all orchestrated to try to set Hyunsu up, basically. For yeah. Long. Yeah. See, I can point to all these other things he did that were sketchy. It wasn't just this. It was like leading up Mm -hmm. to yeah and so speaking of that which was kind of a spiritual thing what is your opinion of him seeing the girl and playing red light green light and I know that they're well I guess I'm sort of basing this more off of maybe some Japanese literature or the shows that became popular a while but just the idea of spirituality the spirit and the folklore that you know can be this very real thing Was he seeing the little girl or, you know, was she, is her ghost a part of it? Is her spirit a part of it? She kind of saves him, I guess, or the game sort of does, keeps him awake. Yeah. Like, I wonder if it's a piece of literary tradition as well that maybe she's bringing into, like you said, folk tradition or just overall, I guess, maybe that is just a piece that, you know, she's bringing into that cultural Mm -hmm. aspect of it. But I mean... There's also the cat. Yeah. And the cat seems connected not only to her spirit, but to so on. So I feel like as readers, we're supposed to think that the spirit is there and a piece of and part of the story. Whether or not me as a reader thinks that, I don't know. It was hard because it was so subtle for me to latch onto it 100%. Mm -hmm which is part of that mystery, I think. Yeah. As I recall, she certainly was playing red light, green light with the cat, or at least that's what she tells her dad. She tells the police and her dad that, and then he tells that to the police and it's kind of a weird connection. So So for him to even know that, yeah. Yeah. Implies that there is some communication that has happened. So yes, I guess I kind of like that. They didn't have to wallop you over the head with it. Like it just is. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of taken as fact, even if the adults are kind of like, "Mm." right, but as readers, I think we're supposed to see her there, and the fact that this happens after the ceremony that her dad performs is more interesting Mm -hmm. in my brain, because whether or not her soul was released from the lake, or if it was, and there... But I think you're right. what I read was part of that is that it's supposed to kind of unburden them so that they feel as though their business is done, yeah. basically. 
So the fact that she hangs around is very interesting to me oh, on like yeah. a cultural level, like what that could be right. telling the audience. If I had that background and knowledge, like mm-hmm. I wonder. Well, it gives her a little bit of character in the story. You know, she's devoid of any sort of self or anything, you know, everything's being told afterwards. And so if that's the only way she actually has any sort of intent or action in the story. Yeah, that's a great thought because she didn't get her own chapter. Right. Because we only hear from her mother through letters. Right. So we only see her through her father's eyes and then through these interactions she had Mm -hmm. as a ghost or as a spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think too hard about that. (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't either. I just sort of took it and then kind of thought it would come back up. Yeah. That that would somehow be resolved. And I guess in a way it was. But I hadn't thought about how it happens after he actually does the ceremony, which is a great detail. Like he actually does the thing that in the end puts the chain of events in a different light. Yeah, that that was really cool. I thought it was a very good book. But, you know, again, I was surprised by its austereness. Yes. But I really liked it. I was also surprised, even though I knew that this wasn't going to have a happy ending. I was surprised that the father was executed. I was kind of hoping like, oh, they're going to solve it. They're going to figure it out. The people who he would have wanted to know that he was innocent, no. So that's good, his son. But sometimes you just want that whole <laughs> slightly better. You want everyone to know that he didn't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a tight, perfect bow, maybe it could at yeah. least, you know, tape down the edges a little bit, make it a little more presentable packaging. Right. But it definitely was something I don't regret reading. And I think that there would be a lot of people out there who would, enjoy yes so yeah absolutely well thanks for joining us you're super welcome and before i sign off did you have any recommended reads that you wanted to share with folks based off of this yeah so i have two kind of different ones one is simply the only other book well to my knowledge i guess i could be fitting but that i've read by a south korean author was the vegetarian han kang and I would recommend that and not even like hesitantly, but it's not this kind of book, but I think what it is similar in what I like to get out of a book when you read about another culture from a writer from that culture and similar in this, like you do begin to get a little bit of a hint of society or maybe how families work or the idea of, you know, does a family take on the sins of the father or that kind of thing. In the book, The Vegetarian, you get a real schooling in some ways of just how things work. And it's also kind of incidentally, as we were talking about it, one of those books where you get the story from many different people. And that's what gives you the most rounded view of it. Um, but it's not a mystery or a thriller. It's, it's a much more cerebral, different book. In terms of reading a book by a South Korean author, I think that that's just a really good and pretty modern one that you can get so much from it. And the story is interesting in itself, very different story. So I'd recommend that. And then the thing that I love to read mysteries that take place in other places, because I love how you get this mystery, but you learn so much about those places through a book that's ostensibly not about those places, it's about the mystery. And so the other thing I would recommend couple of my favorite series are the Amy LeDuc series that takes place in Paris, written by Kara Black, and the Inspector Guido Brunetti 
series written by Donna Leon that takes place in Venice, Italy. So I love mysteries in other places. So Yeah, and traveling with a mystery is a great way to do that, I think. Yes. I will add in there just one from me, which is a little more recent. And I think some libraries around here will for sure have it. The Forest of Stolen Girls by Ju Yoon Her. Fabulous read and fairly recent. I think it came out in either 2020 or 2021 and was nominated for several awards this year and well-deserved. Another one to check out for folks. All right. But we'll be back in August. I'll be visiting with Sue from Marion Public Library to discuss West with Giraffes by Linda (laughs) Rutledge. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was a great read, though. I'm really glad it was in the list. I really enjoyed kind of having it put on my platter and be like, hey, I'll take this. And it's such a good one. So, yeah, we'll be back in August. Hope you'll join us again, folks. Bye. (laughs) 